all stayed up late last night like I did, you'd know the Braves won and they'd lead the World Series three games to one and could clinch it tonight. Um, I won't mention the losses uh, because my second favorite team lost yesterday to Georgia State, which uh, I'll just stop right there because I'll – anyway. Um, I was informed that today is, is – tomorrow is Isabel's birthday, and we will be singing happy birthday to her in a few minutes. Um, next weekend's our chicken dinner. Um, it's in your bulletin. If you need a flyer, we have flyers. Um, take them and post them wherever you need to. Sell some tickets. Uh, Karen's back there. She has the envelope with all the tickets in it if you need some. Um, next Sunday is All Saints Sunday. Um, Tommy's passing around the chicken dinner list. Uh, next Sunday is All Saints Sunday. If you have lost anyone in the last year, please let the church office know their names. Um, if you are interested in reading up on the traditional Methodist meeting we had October 17th, the packets are up here in the front pew with Willeen. Uh, let's see. Choir is beginning practice for Christmas. If you are interested in helping permanently or just for Christmas, please let Willeen know. And the last one is if anyone needs a copy of the full charge conference report, please let the office know to get you one. Uh, bow our heads, please. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day and for the sunshine and the cool air. Uh, Lord, we thank you for letting us come here and worship you today and sing praises and learn about you. And Lord, fill this building with your Holy Spirit to help us keep our hearts and minds open. And we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, scripture reading today is Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may, too, may have... So that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because it is because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is the word of God for the people of God. morning happy halloween if everybody will stand first of all we're going to sing happy birthday to isabel and she's not excited about it so we want to really sing loud so she'll get excited <laughs> happy birthday to you happy birthday to you happy birthday dear isabel Happy birthday to you and many 
Okay, now if you'll join, in, join me in singing our opening hymn, which is All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Page 154 on the screen, we're going to sing verses 1, 2, 5, and 6. Please remain standing as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, found on page 881 in the United Methodist Seminal, or you can find the words posted up on the screen. Alpha United Methodist, this is what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
You may be seated. Last week, I asked to lift up in prayer the husband of a young lady that I went to high school with. Her husband was uh, fighting, had been fighting with COVID for quite some time. He succumbed this week and went home to be with the Lord. So if you can remember the Reed family throughout this week, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, on a happier note, it was Halloween last night. I hope everyone had a great time. We have a lot of candy left over. So if any of you are in dire need of a sugar fix, please come by my house. I can help you to accommodate you with that. Uh, any other than that, are there any other praises or prayer concerns this morning? Linda? Yep. Anyone else this morning? Terry Webb? Anyone else this morning? I'm sorry? Military? Anyone else? Terry? That is definitely a praise. So glad to have you here. Jerry? Anyone else this morning? Lisa? Jason? Jason? Sharon Walden and... Anyone else this morning? If not, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for this time that you've given us to gather in your house. And Father, we just ask that on this day that during this time you send your spirit into this house to touch each and every one of us. Father God, take from us all the burdens we care, carry and all the concerns that we have in our hearts. Father God, we ask that you know each and every one of them. Father, for every person that, that we have lifted up in by name this morning, we ask that you be with be with those persons for health concerns, for financial concerns, for spiritual concerns, whatever their needs are, Father God. We know that your word says that, that according to your riches and glory, you will provide for all of our needs. So, Father God, we just ask that you bring comfort and peace to, to everyone that we spoke to today, their family and their friends. And, Father God, we lift up to you those unspoken prayers, those concerns and cares of people and, and circumstances that are on our hearts. And Father God, we just ask that you search out our hearts and our minds and, and know the depths of our sympathy and the depths of our care for things that are happening and things that are going on. And Father, we just ask that you be with our military at home and abroad in Afghanistan and, and wherever they may be stationed. For all of our private citizens who are caught up in the mix of all the political things that are going on that keep them in harm's way. Father, we ask for a special wall of protection around each and every one of them. Father God, we ask that you send your angels down to set up that hedge to, to keep them from harm, both physical and spiritual. And Father God, today we just ask a special blessing for our congregation. A blessing that, Father God, that you would enter this room and touch our hearts and lives. And, Father God, just give us an experience today that when we leave out of here, we'll know that we were in your presence. That we'll leave out of here with, with happiness in our hearts and a song on our tongue that brings praise to you for all that you do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
please stand again and join me as our preparation hymn on page 163 or on the screen. I ask you what great things I know. Would the ushers come forward, please? As we go to honor God with our tithes and offerings, let us pray as Christ taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
are no children here today, correct? Yep, we do. We got some children. Y'all come on down. Miss Willene has got something for you. I hope everyone had a good time uh, Wednesday night at the Trunk or Treat. I had a great time, and I don't know who won the best adult prize, but my vote is going to still go toward David with the Grinch outfit. I thought that was the best costume that we had out there for the adult category. I hope he does that again next year. And it seems like next year is some point that we're always waiting on it. And it's like, Isabel, 
tomorrow is her birthday, but Tuesday morning, it's going to start all over again. My birthday's coming soon, and she's going to spend the entire year telling everyone my birthday is almost here. It's almost like she can't enjoy the time that she's given on that particular day because she's so focused on what's happening a year from now. And I remember that was as, as I was a kid. It wasn't birthdays for me, however, it was Christmas. And around September, October time frame, I would start thinking about what Santa Claus was going to bring me for Christmas. And I just could not wait till Christmas Day. I would start snooping around the house where Santa would hide all the presents. Now, one particular year, I found the presents. And when Christmas Day came out, the, Santa had put all the presents out. And I started looking and playing. I thought something was missing. And it was about a month later before I realized, wait a minute, there was another present hidden up in this closet. So I had to go get Santa to come get it out because they had forgotten to give it to me. But Christmas is something that we just can't seem to wait for. That's why I want to talk to you about something today that normally it's a statement that you don't want to make because if you make this statement to somebody, it makes them want to do it to more. And that is just leave it alone. Let it be. Now, if you're like me, if somebody tells you to leave it alone, you're not going to leave it alone. You're going to run and look and see what it is. It's supposed to be living alone. You're going to try to pick it up and fix it and do whatever you want to with it because you just can't leave it alone. But there is such an important purpose in leaving something alone. The passage that John read you today from Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7, talks about Israel as they're in exile. And what's happening here is that they've been sent to exile to in Babylon, and false prophets have arisen in their midst. And they're telling them things like this, that, that you know what, don't settle down, don't get comfortable here, because we're not staying here very long. We're going back to our homeland sooner than you think. And what they were doing, they were lying to the people because that's not what was going to happen. God had said, you're going to be there for quite some time. And he gave words of hope and words of encouragement and instruction for what they should do there. Settle down. Build houses. Plant gardens. Have children and families. Enjoy the time that you have there. I know it's not where you want to be. And I know in your heart of hearts that, that you want to be back home, but, but it's not happening right here, right now. And don't listen to those people who are telling you otherwise. And don't listen to those people who are offering you another plan. Because they're going to disappoint you. And that's not what God wants, is disappointment. What he wants for us is gratification. But we have to follow in his steps, in his instruction, in order to receive that gratification. And I say all that because of this. We all have things going on in our lives that get to us. Things that we want to see accomplished now instead of later. Things that, that consume our time. But as we go into these next seasons of Thanksgiving and Advent and Christmas, I think it's okay to say that we can take all those things just for a moment and set them aside and leave them alone. 
and just live in the land that God put us. This is the promise that God made to Israel, those who were in exile. Jeremiah 29, verse 10 through 13. This is what the Lord says, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me. And when you find me, with all, and you will seek me with all your heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, as we come before you during this part of the service, just ask that you be with me. Give us guidance and words and hope and inspiration and all that we experience today. Father, let your spirit move between us and help us to see the message that you have for us today and the vision you have for us tomorrow. Empty me that I would not speak my words, but, but fill me with your spirit that I would speak words only pleasing to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It is hard. I understand that it is really, really hard when we want to accomplish something, especially when somebody has already told you that the path you're on isn't the right one, meaning don't trust God. And, and that's ultimately what people want to say is don't trust God with your life and with the path that you're on. But we as Christians are charged to do just that. We as Christians are charged to put our faith in God and God alone. And I think some people confuse that statement. That when they hear somebody say, trust God, I think what they hear is, trust God to do what I want God to do. When I want God to do it. How I want God to do it. And that's what the false prophets of the world tell us. They tell us all the time that, that if you don't hurry up and act and respond now, that you're not going to fulfill your mission in life. That if you don't hurry up and act and respond now, that, that you're not going to accomplish the things that even God has called you to in your life. But time and time again throughout Scripture, God assures us that very seldom, if ever, has He ever been in a rush to do anything. Seven days to create the heavens and the earth. And then the seventh day rested. Seems like a, a short amount of time to, to do such a marvelous task. But, but when we think about the amount of time that, that God consumes in what we refer to as a day, it's nothing. It's a blink of an eye. There was no rush and there was no hurry. He took his time. When he hung the stars and, and he created the oceans and, and he created the land and, and all that fills it. There was no rush and there should be no rush now in our lives. Quite often I think God tells us, I know he tells me, Tommy, leave it alone. Don't touch it. I'm going to make it happen for you when the time is right. And that's what he was telling Israel when, when, you're, when they were 
in exile is you're not just here to learn how to be a different people and you're not just here to learn how to do something new and you're not just here to 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 learn to refocus on me but but i'm doing a work in advance of you that that you can't see that you don't know about that you don't understand see i know the desire of your heart and i'm working to fulfill that and if you do what I ask you to do, it'll come to be sooner than later. You see, God doesn't want us to worry about life and what's going to happen tomorrow. That's, that's all through Scripture. Christ himself tells us not to worry about what you eat or drink or what you wear, not to worry about any of these things. These are the things that the Gentiles, meaning those who are not of God, those who are not born of the Spirit, worry about. Don't do it. Leave it alone. Because if God cares enough to feed the birds of the air, to clothe the fields in the glory of flowers and grass and plants, then he knows each and every one of our needs. And it is his love toward us and his honor to fulfill those needs toward us. See, he wants us to, to trust him today for tomorrow. And how do we express that? We express that by living in the moment, living in the day. Now, I'm not saying be reckless in what we do and, and how we live, but, but live in accordance with God's word to love thy neighbor as thyself and to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and thy soul and thy mind. That is the key to achieving our goals. We can't stomp our feet and, and demand that, that God do something, and we can't demand that people do things that we want them to do when they don't want to do it because we think that will make our path better or we think that it will make our circumstances change or ultimately that we think somehow that will make our vision for tomorrow come about sooner. I'm telling you, I know that from experience, so let me share that with you. My first church, the people had no vision, and all they wanted to do was what they've always done, and I couldn't get them out of that. But Tommy had his own idea of how the church would go. And just coming out of policing and the Marines and all that, I did what I did best, and that was crack the whip. And it was just demanding of people all the day to be what I wanted them to be. And I couldn't do that. I couldn't force them to be. Even when they responded the way I wanted them to be, to do, they would never be the people that I wanted them to be, not to fulfill their passion and their dreams, but to fulfill my own. And that's what happens in life sometimes, whether in the workhouse, the, the house house, the church house, wherever you go. We have a desire to be somewhere else in life, to achieve something, to fulfill something. And instead of trusting God's word in fulfilling that vision, we think that we have to fulfill it ourselves, that if we pressure the right person that if we make the right statement or if we push in the right direction hard enough then we will get there sooner than later but what happens is that we leave in our path a path of destruction we hurt the people around us instead of helping the people around us we hurt our reputation 
or in this case, my reputation, meaning how I was responding at the other place, instead of building a good reputation. You see, when God tells Israel to do this, to don't listen to the false prophets, but, but listen to what the Word of God says through the prophet Jeremiah, he tells them, marry and have children. In other words, he's saying to this, take the time while you're trying to achieve your mission. Take the time while you're trying to, to get to where it is that you're going to and love the person around you. Care for them. If they're in need, be there with them. If they need you to hold their hand through something difficult, hold their hand because you're not going to make what you want to happen happen any sooner than its appointed time. But in between those two points of time, we learn to love our neighbors the same manner that God loved us. You see, it's not easy sometimes loving me. You can ask my wife, and I'm sure some of you understand that by now. If you haven't, you have at least six or, six or more months with me, and you'll have time to, to come to understand that, that I am not always the most lovable person. And it takes work to love me. But that's what God requires of us, is not to change people to make them who we want them to be, but to love them as they are and learn to work with those differing personalities. I can't change who any of you are, nor should I ever want to. But what I should want to do is love you the way that God created you and help you, and as you help me, find the points in my life that are good that we can bring out better. And to even find those points in my life and in your life that, that would be considered not so good or maybe even weak and encourage one another along to, to strengthen one another in those areas of weaknesses. See, by doing that, we, we sharpen one another. And we challenge one another to, to become more like Christ. Loving one another is not asking someone to change for my behalf. Loving one another is to care for each other as they are and giving of the, give of those to those people in the same manner that God gave to us and who that we are. I think one of the greatest passages of Scripture that, that I ever can think about as it pertains to God's love to me is this is that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And he didn't just die for any reason. He, he died because of God's love for us, because his desire to be for us to be reconciled back to him so that we can have an open relationship with him. You see, a lot of people don't understand the need for the blood of Christ in this sacrifice and, and in this relationship. So, so let me... See, if I can explain it just a little bit. You see, God created heaven and earth perfectly before sin came in. But when sin came into the world, then destruction and sickness came out, and, and some of our true nature began coming out, and we started living in a sinful manner. In other words, a way that was unpleasing to God. 
But God can't look upon sin, as Scripture says, because holiness and evil can't exist in the same place. So there was a need for a, a sacrifice, something to, to pay the price, and it was through blood, the, originally the, the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed yearly that allowed the priest to communicate with God. They paid the price for sin through the blood of the lamb. You see, that only happened in Old Testament times once a year. And even then, to my understanding, it was only the priests who were allowed to go into that throne room on behalf of the people. In other words, if you and I were there in that day and we wanted to, to go to the great throne room of God, we would not be allowed to. But Christ came into this world for that very purpose. He came, as he had deemed in the word of God, as the Lamb of God. The one who takes away the sin of the world, meaning this, that, that when he went up on that cross and he gave his life and the blood shed from his brow and the blood shed from his side and the blood shed from his body, it was not for just letting it to happen. It was so that God could be reunited with his children. It was so that the, the children of God could, could once again go and stand in the presence of their father. You see, we talk all the time about what happened on the cross, about how Jesus got to that cross, and about how he was betrayed by his disciples. And But very seldom do we talk about what happened on that cross. In the hour in which Christ gave up the Spirit, it says that the, the skies were darkened, the, the earth shook, and the graves opened, and the veil was torn from top to bottom. And we overlook that one important fact. The veil was torn from top to bottom. And the veil that they're referring to is the veil of the temple. And it was that veil that, that, that divided God from man. And it was that veil that the priest once a year went behind to stand in the presence of God to atone for man's sins. And when Christ died on that cross and the blood shed from his body and the earthquake and that veil tore from top to bottom, it split, meaning all humanity now has the authority through Christ to stand in the presence of God that we can now go to our Father on our own behalf without the need of another man other than Christ Jesus. And he did that because of his love for his children. And if he loves his children so much that, that he has sent his only begotten son into this world to, to suffer and to carry our burden and to die on the cross so that we can be reconciled to him, then surely we can trust him with our lives. God has a plan for each and every one of us. Individually, as a community, but it's only going to be fulfilled in his time. And in between those points of time 
We are to live the life that God gave us. Thanksgiving's coming up, and then I, and I can't wait because it's the time of the year that we get to, to look back on the year and gather with families, family and friends and think about all the blessings that God gave us throughout that year. All the new opportunities and relationships, all the, all the times that we were faced with adversity, we didn't think we were going to make it, and lo and behold, at the last minute, God come through, and on that day, we get to think about those things. Then we get to move into the season of Advent, another joyous time, a time when we get to consider the first coming of Christ. And we read all the stories about the prophecies from Isaiah about how Christ is going to come into the world and and the big difference that he's going to make and how he came for this purpose, to seek and to heal. And not only to consider Christ's first coming into this world, but to take the time out of our days to consider his return. Another thing that that we don't talk that much about, because sometimes I think we get so wrapped up with corporate church and even corporate business that that we are short-sighted about what life is, that it's not about building structures and it's not always about accomplishing goals, which those are great and mighty things, but but, but, but the, the full impact of what God set in plan is the second coming of his son. When this old earth is transformed into something new. John said that I looked to the heavens and I saw descending a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And in that city, God dwelt amongst his people. And he wipes away every tear, every pain, and every sorrow. And he says in that day that I will be their God and they will be my people. And he says that not because he coerced or persuaded, but because we become a people. who have learned to love God and to love his creation. And it's hard sometimes to to leave something alone, especially when we want to accomplish it, because I think sometimes we want a timeline for something to happen. You know what? And, and, And Israel did too, and God came back, and he talked to Israel through the prophet Jeremiah about being in exile and about their desire to, to go back home to, to Jerusalem. And he said, he gave them a timeline. He said, you know what? Seventy years. I'm not going to leave you just standing out here wondering about when. I'm going to tell you when. Stay here. Seventy years. Give me time to work in your hearts and in your minds and in your soul. Give me time to create for you a new life. Give me time to, to help find a way to, to rebuild what was destroyed in all these processes. Seventy years is what God promised. And he said to them, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. 
And I find great comfort in that because sometimes I wonder, does anyone ever really pay attention to what's going on around me? And sometimes I wonder, do, do, the, do people really understand what's happening in my life? And I understand that I can't count on or depend, nor should I, someone else being responsible for my well-being. But I find comfort in knowing this. that God thinks about me. He didn't just say that, that I have a plan for you. He didn't just say that, that I want to prosper you. He didn't just say that, that I want to put you somewhere. He said, I think about you. Every moment and every day of your life, I think about you. Now, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to think about a group of people individually every day. But we have a God in heaven who knows our thoughts, who knows our heart, who knows our mind and, and our desires, and he takes the time daily to consider who we are as a people and to consider what's important to us. And he tells Israel, and I think he says the same to us, stay where you're at just a little while longer. I've not forgotten about you. I think about you all the time, and, and there is a plan in place while I put those pieces together, hold on to your faith a little bit longer. Take your hands off. Enjoy the day. And just leave it alone. And when I think about the leave it alone, I start thinking that, that maybe sometimes that when I'm leaving it alone, that maybe God will, will forget about what I'm leaving alone. And that maybe what I'm asked to leave alone might die. And then I remember the, the story of Lazarus, man. That is such an awesome, amazing story. I, I, I love it. Um, I wish we could really just really dig into it. But what's happening here is, is Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha. They're over in Bethany, and Lazarus becomes deathly ill. So they send a messenger to Jesus to tell him, you know what? Your friend, the one that you love, the one you care about with, the, the one that you hang out with is dying, and, and we need you to come to his aid. And when you first read the story, you think that, that maybe Jesus is, is a long ways off from where Lazarus is at. But in reality, he's, according to Google, 1.88 miles away. And when Jesus hears the news that his friend is going to die, he didn't drop everything that he had going on. 
and run to his aid. Instead, he waited two days before making the journey to Bethany. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I'm thinking that, that if, if a man that I love or a woman that I love or a friend that I love hears about me on the deathbed, that they, if they truly love me, are going to drop everything that they're doing and they're going to rush to my side. And that's what we would expect of Jesus, that he's going to drop everything and rush to our side and fix our problems. But instead, Jesus didn't do that. Instead, he waited two days before responding. He waited two days for, before going to Bethany. And Lazarus has already died. And that's what scares me. I'm just to be honest with you. Maybe I'm sounding a little faithless here, but that's what scares me sometimes when I think about my vision or my hope or my plan for the future is that, that maybe God's going to let it die if I don't see certain things happening and if I don't see certain things being fulfilled. That I cry out to Jesus, that I say, Jesus, this is my hope, this is my desire, this is what I'm bringing to you. Come today and fix it for me and when he does it I become disappointed and I become doubting in my relationship with God to the point that I have to stop myself and make a choice and say that I'm not going to respond to this emotionally I'm not going to respond to this be because I've heard I am going to respond to this by faith by knowing what the word of God says and how I should respond and I should respond with however God's will works out and I accept that But something happens in that time of disappointment. That fire that, that we thought was dying, or that thing that we thought died out, starts to, to rekindle itself. And it's because Jesus is coming back into your life, that he's finding that death and decay in our spirit, and he's removing it so that we become a stronger, more spiritually based person, so that we become more dependent upon him while living a life free of worry and fear. And that's what I see happening when Lazarus died. He had already died. Jesus waited two days after hearing the news. He knew Lazarus was dead. Mary and Martha and all the friends were mourning because Lazarus has already been in the grave for four days. And they see Jesus coming in all their disappointment and that fire begins to come alive again in them. Just a little bit at a time because when they see him, Martha goes running to him and says, Lord, if you had only been here. And he says, do you not believe that I can raise from the dead? And she said, Martha says back, yes, I do believe. But she said, I believe concerning the resurrection. And then Mary, even when she approached the same thing, had you not been here? And Jesus again would come back and say, do you not believe? that I am the God of the living, not of the dead. And something happened to Jesus. Depending on which um, version that you're reading from, one says that his spirit was troubled when he heard these things. 
Another version says that his spirit groaned, and another one says that his spirit grumbled within. And what it was saying is this, that, it, that Jesus is thinking to himself, you have witnessed me heal the blind, you have witnessed me cure the leper, you have seen the lame walk, you see me walk on water, and every time I turn around, instead of being confident in who I am and in my law and in my power and my authority, we as a people still doubt. We do not say, Jesus, I know that you can and will do the Father's will. We still say, if God had only been here. When what we're doing is looking at a small fraction of a much larger picture. That, that what we wanted God to do for us today may not be something that God wanted for us, to be honest with you. Because, okay, sometimes the answer to the prayer is no. But a lot of times what we want God to do for us today, he has planned for us today. And he wants us to respond today with dignity and integrity. Because today, no matter how we feel, is not how he wants to do it or when he wants to do it. He wants to do it some other point in time because he wants to prepare us today for our tomorrow so that when we get our tomorrow we can be responsible people for it and so jesus comes to martha and he comes to mary and he talks to them and they put out there again to him wish you were here you could have done something jesus comes back and says well why can't i do it now and I think that that's the, the point in life that God is trying to get us to, for us to, to stop looking at our circumstances with anger and aggravation and frustration, but look at our circumstances, look at our vision and our hope for tomorrow and know that it's tomorrow that is to be fulfilled, not today. But in today, we are to live holy and godly lives. And today, we are to love our neighbors as themselves, that we are not to tear one another down, but we are to lift one another up. Because in our minds, our tomorrow doesn't look healthy. Just like Lazarus didn't look healthy to his friends. And there may be a time when we look at our tomorrow and say that it's dead just like Lazarus was dead. But in comes Jesus. At that perfect, designated moment in time, grumbling in his spirit because we still haven't trust, trusted in him fully. But with mercy, still willing to act on behalf of his brothers and sisters. He prays to the Father out loud, thank you for hearing my prayer. And he did that so that the people would know that, that he is requesting of the Father, that, that he can go to the Father and that we too can go to the Father and give our prayers and our cares and our concerns. Then I love, I don't know if you probably guys... I don't know if you might, might be old enough to remember this movie, Jesus of Nazareth, how he stood before the tomb that day and he raised his hand and a tear come down from his eye and everyone was standing around staring at him and he says, Lazarus, come forth and the dead man comes out walking. 
And I think that's what happens to us sometimes. That, that when our dreams start dying out, Jesus has a way of coming back in and reigniting that fire just a little bit more to get us a little further down the road until we get to that day where we think what is dead, Jesus comes back in, steps in, and breathes new life. He takes what we think is dead and rejuvenates it. He takes what other people think is dead and gives it new life, new purpose, and new meaning. Think about this for just a minute. When Lazarus died, he had one skin on his body. Four days in the tomb, that skin began to deteriorate. Jesus tells them to unwrap that man. And as they take the bandages off, it is new skin that is on his flesh. And sometimes that's what happens in our lives, that we, we have to let that old whatever it is die, entomb it, and bury it, and trust it to God. For that moment when, when Jesus comes forward and says, rise from the dead and walk and be unveiled with a new meaning and a new purpose in life. But until that day comes, take the instruction that God gave to Israel through the prophet Jeremiah. Live at peace in the land that you've been planted Seek prosperity of that land. Love one another and enjoy the time that God has given. The word is true. I will give you the desire of your heart when you learn to trust in me. So I guess what I'm saying is that as we enter these, these new seasons as they come up, as they approach, let's, let's concentrate on them. Let's take everything else for a while in life and just leave it alone. Let God handle it. Let God work it out in whatever it is that we're struggling with. And let's just be happy in the land that he gave us. Because he provides for today. And we can trust him for tomorrow. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for this time that you've given us to come together today. And Father, help us to live today as today for every blessing that you have for us, for every purpose that you have for us, and for everything that you have us to discover about one another. Help us to, to sharpen one another. Father God, as your word says, as metal sharpens metal. And help us to carry one another in times of weaknesses. And help us to find the peace and prosperity of this land as you prepare for us a new tomorrow as we learn to live in today. Celebrating life and the love that you have for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, our final hymn this morning will be My Faith Licks Up to Thee, number 452. If you would please stand.